Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Dude, we're not compatible. I don't want to argue anymore. Why don't we just stop and say this isn't going to work and be respectful? I do think on paper we were compatible, but I was paired with somebody who it felt like had zero interest in trying. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I hope that you can be respectful of me. I really, really hope because that is what I give to you and that's all that I want back. It's going to take time for me to build build back up to a place where I think I can trust you and where I hope that we could sit in a conversation and not have disrespect involved. Married at First Sight, Boston, shall we? Oh, we're at brunches, we're at uh, honeymoons, drama, goldfish, all the things happened this episode. Let's get into it. I'm like, actually, for the first time this season, excited to recap an episode. Um, So let's talk about it. I feel like we have a, a good chunk to talk about. So we're on episode four. And the episode begins with the post-wedding first night together and Dr. Viviana tells us, as she does every season, that even though they're practically strangers, they're legally married. So whatever they want to do tonight is up to them. First up, we get Katina and Elijahwan. So, uh, you know, Elijahwan's really talking a big game about how much of a player he was in college and how he's ready to change his ways. And I just like... I think I've said this before, but I, I'm really wary of a man who can't let go of the glory days, so to speak. Like, you're 29, staring down the barrel of 30. Why are we still talking about all the chicks you pulled in college? Like, did you, were you a late graduate? Was this, uh, like, several years ago? Did you go back for a master's? Like, what's happening? Because... If you graduated in the traditional amount of time, I'll even say maybe you graduated at 25. That's still um, a few years ago, my guy. And I just feel like we got to let it go. We got to let it go. And that's one of several red flags for me with Elijah Wan. Um, In the morning, he is congratulating Katina about her breath. And how, uh, thank God for him, her breath doesn't smell that bad in the morning. And he was really concerned about that. And I noticed, oddly, before he even mentioned that, that he was doing a lot of, like, very open-mouthed laughing. And I was like, ooh, Katina, girl, like, did he hit the the mouthwash on that? Like, the Listerine? Did we get that, you know, the wave? You know, like, the wave that they do in the commercials? It's like, 
Ooh, look at how refreshing uh, this blue mouthwash is in your body. Um, also, did you guys know? <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything, but for Americans, those of you listening to this, apparently other countries have like a whole market of Listerines that are not like mint. They're uh, floral. They're like almost like candle scents, but for mouthwash. And like, I have a friend who lives out of the country and he was bragging about it, but I'm like, do I want to put freesia in my mouth? I don't think so, girl. I don't know. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything, but let me know if you've tried (laughs) an alternative flavor of mouthwash. Let me know if it's actually worth it. Maybe I'll order it on Amazon. Three minutes in, already off the rails. So, um, you know, I just don't know. I don't like Elijah Wan. I think I've made that pretty clear. Uh, They, Katina mentions that he's not a good uh, cuddler. And he even concedes that he's not either. And it just gave big, like, we all know the rules, right? Like, if you're going to do a hookup, you know, if you're going to, like, come over to somebody's house on a late night tip... If you're hitting them up after, I would say, 9 o'clock, then you should expect a sleepover. Unless you guys have, like, a very uh, specific rules. Especially if it's a man inviting a woman home. Because, like, you don't want to... You know, she's got to go home. Like, how is she getting home? Is she safe? You know, like, it's just a gentlemanly thing to do. Unless you guys have, like, rules. Whatever. Um, Elijah one just gives me very, like, he'll hit somebody up at 9.30 and be like, Oh, you up? And then... You're there at 10, 20, let's say, and then, you know, about 10, 45, things happen between 10, 20 and 10, 45. And then at 10, 45, 10, 47, he's like, oh, well, I have a really late day uh, or a really early morning. Um, oh, gosh, I'm like so tired. I'm just going to be so busy tomorrow. Like I have so much going on. And like, you know, I really don't like sleep that well next to somebody. And so like, you know, like if you want to say you can, but like, you know, also, you can go. You should, you should go. I want you to leave. You know, and he doesn't even call you an Uber. And I know that I, I like make up these scenarios and they're often personal to me, but just let me know. I've never met a, let a man play me like that in many other ways, but not, not in that way. <laughs> anyway, Katina asks Elijah Wong what his relationship history was like. And he says, Well, I guess you could say cheater, but not really, because there never really was an official title with anybody. Well, I feel like if that's the first word that's coming to mind, then it's probably because several people have called you that. And if several people have called you a cheater, then that would lead me to believe that you've led them to believe that you were in a relationship with them. So, I mean, you're the one who chose the word. So I just have to words mean things, you know, words mean things anyway. And so do relationships. Elijah one. <sighs> he stresses me out. So <laughs> even though I kind of think I like him, I'll, I'll get into why I think I like him in a second, but here we go. Um, so like I said, they go to, everybody goes to brunch. I don't typically find these parts very interesting, but this time I will say was like, 50 to 65% more interesting than past seasons because I just feel like oftentimes the friends, family, whoever that they're, the new wife or husband is meeting up with, they don't often say anything of value. It's not really things that come up later. I feel the same way about the housewarming parties. Like, usually there's no drama. Like, they're supposed to be like, oh, we're meeting the friends and learning more about each other and getting more ingrained in each other's lives. But to me, it's like, boring. Can't... I just feel like these things don't ever come up later. So why talk about them now? Like, why am I sitting here for two hours? You know, (laughs) but fortunately this season did a little bit better. Um, so Katina meets up with Elijah Wan's second mom. Um, we don't really get a full explanation of what she is to him, but second mom. Have we said why is his mother passed away? That's Michael's mom. Is his mother also dead? I can't remember. Anyway, um, so his second mom is like, basically like, I'm done with him. Lovingly, I'm done. So here's the shirt that I used to wear at his games. You can have it now. You're going to be his cheerleader. Thank you. Let me get a couple bites in on this meal because I got to go to work after this. All right. We good? Bye. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that was really it that we got from her. Um, so then Elijah Wan goes to Katina's friends. He has lunch with them. And I loved her guy friend. Her guy friend was like, no bullshit, protective of Katina, saw right through Elijah Wan and was just like, I'm not really trying to play this and you're not going to play my girl because that's my bestie. And like, I'm here for her. He puts it real straight and is like, I believe that you either sign up for this process because you believe in the process or you have ulterior motives. And so Elijah Wan says, you know, Katina's smart, I think. And if I were to be on some BS with her, I feel like she would call me out pretty quickly. And hey, like, I'm not a bad looking guy. You know, I don't have problems getting the ladies. If anybody needs me to pop my shirt off right now and do a little body roll, I can do that. No problem. You'll enjoy it. Everybody's loved it before. Um, I don't really need to do the show, but this was something that I wanted to pry. Like, this was a, a... a different process that I was going to uh, interested in exploring. Right. And the guy friend is like, okay, well trying something new is a minor change. Getting married is actually a, a serious decision. Then they start to get just a little bit snippy with each other. And in an interview, Katina's friend says, that he basically feels like Elijah's answers that he gave them were bullshit. He feels pretty strongly that he's basically on the show to blow up, get famous, and he doesn't trust them. <laughs> so when Katina and Elijah Wan get back together, he tells Katina, like, hey, uh, your girlfriend or your your dude friend kind of seemed like he was feeling some type of way. And, uh, you know, I... I feel like he had a preconceived notion of me, but I'm going to stand my ground and just be myself and they can accept that or not. Then a confessional Katina says that she really takes her friend's opinions very seriously, especially that guy friend, because she's like, I, he's smart. I really trust him. He's got his stuff together. And so if he, you know, <laughs> feels like something might be off, I'm going to take that information. I'm going to give Elijah on a fair go but I'm gonna put that information in my pocket and you know see where it goes with that because maybe I'm just like too blinded by the excitement of the whole thing so let me get into why I think I might like Elijah on so um there is a new spinoff to Married at First Sight the Married at First Sight universe um I'm not sure if Jamie has that show I haven't seen even like the clips of her before I watch a show, like I haven't seen the tail end, but what I have seen is Keisha Knight Pulliam, AKA Rudy from the Cosby show is doing like an after thing. So it's now my sister, my mother and I affectionately call it Rudy after dark. So I'm still not really watching it, but shout out to my friend, Rachel, who sent me a clip of Rudy after dark. And she, it was, um, Rudy was interviewing, uh, Alyssa, Elijahwan, and maybe Mark doesn't matter. Alyssa and Elijahwan and Rudy are the are the main people in here. So Rudy's and Alyssa are kind of getting into it over her treatment of Chris and how it kind of seemed like she wasn't into it and how I think this was from uh, last episode they're talking about it. Um, and Alyssa starts to get a little hot under the pants and she walks off and so. They're like, okay, Rudy's like, well, let's just keep going. And she asks the guys what they think about the situation between Alyssa and Chris. And Elijah one is like, honestly, I felt like she saw him. She wasn't attracted to him. And she let that paint the whole picture of her experience. And she decided she wasn't into him, Chris, immediately. And I think his friend said some goofy shit that did not help. He seemed very mad that the friend said anything, but I'm like, I don't know, kind of, if I were Alyssa, I'd kind of be a little bit grateful, but he's like, he was like mad at Chris's friends for saying what they said about him. And he was really mad at her. He was like, I just think that she, she wasn't, she didn't think he was cute. And and that was it. And I think he's right. I mean, it seems very obvious, right? Like she's trying to act like that's not the case, but we see, we saw the teeth, you know? 
On the other hand, I think it's probably easy for Elijah Wan to say because he got matched with a smoke show because I was pretty confident that if he did get matched with somebody he wasn't attracted to, this would be another Chris and Paige. So, I mean, I I feel him, but I'm also side-eyeing him a little bit. Anyway, let's move on to Mark and Lindsay. So, they're cuddling on the couch. It's the night after the wedding or just right after the wedding and... Mark mentions how strange it is that neither of their moms were there. And when Lindsay starts to explain her situation, so she says like her mom's really mean to her. And so she's had to put up a lot of boundaries because of it, but she's always left the door open with her mom and really wanted her to come to the wedding. We know she invited her. We know that Lindsay asked her brother to say something and he was like, mm, I'm not really going to get into it. But apparently she had heard through the grapevine that she didn't hear directly from her mom that she wasn't going to come to the wedding. How she heard her mom wasn't going to come to the wedding is that somebody made her privy to an email. So her Lindsay's mom emailed somebody, was like, I'm not going to that wedding, started talking a bunch of shit about Lindsay in the email, and that person told Lindsay. So Lindsay says... You know, she doesn't feel like she needs to hide anything from Mark and that she needs a guy who's going to appreciate a strong woman, which <laughs> she she tests him on later. We'll get into that. And so Mark tells Lindsay that the situation with his mom is that it sounds like she suffers from like an extreme debilitating depression. It began when she retired and she, like, didn't have that day-to-day motivation. So she stopped getting dressed. She stopped taking showers. She stopped taking care of herself, leaving the house. And then his father passed away. And things, like, went from bad to worse. And so she's, like, just not in the space to take care of herself. And Lindsay asked her, like, does she have care? Is she in a facility or something? And he says, you know, she vacillates between wanting help and not. And so we find out that Lindsay used to be a home care nurse or hospice nurse. So she kind of understands. And that's a moment for Mark and Lindsay, the shark, the shocks, if you will, to um, connect. And I think he felt like, oh, she's got that background. She's going to understand, you know, where I'm coming from. Mark tells us that he could not have asked for a better end to his night. He's really happy that they were able to be open with each other. Producers decide to show Lindsay's titty almost popping out again on the way to the bathroom. And she says, as she's like taking her makeup off, usually she sleeps naked, but she's going to keep her PJs on for tonight. And for now, Mark can cuddle her with her clothes on. Then Lindsay decides to sage the hotel suite as Mark's getting ready. (laughs) Love that. Don't think it worked. Don't think it worked. But again, more on that later. So in the morning over breakfast, Lindsay says, so 37, what made you want to do this? And Mark says, you know, I've wanted this for a long time. I've known what I've wanted for a long time. It's just a matter of finding somebody. And now here you are. Do you think he told her that he already signed up for the show? And do you think that that would change her opinion? Because if I were in her position, I'd be like, you already signed up for the show. They didn't, well, I don't know. Like if they didn't find him a match, I would just feel like kind of sad. It's like, you've been waiting this whole time, four years since the last time the show came back. Last time the show's in Boston to come back. You know what? You guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> but like, would you think that was sad? Would that be a turnoff or a red flag for you? I think it would be a little bit of a turnoff for me. It's giving Despy, you know? I don't, I don't love that. But anyway, I wonder if he told her I bet he didn't. I would bet that he didn't. I bet this is, would be something that comes up later. I bet he's kind of embarrassed about it. Because, like, he should be. Even though I, I think I like Mark, you guys. I think I like Mark. Huh. Anyway, let's get back to what they were on about. So, Lindsay says that she's doing this because she's a giver. And that basically the, all the guys that she's ta- dated have been a bunch of jabronis. <laughs> She actually used the word jabronis. Jabronis that uh, have taken from her. And she says she's really feeling Mark. She seems very attracted to him. She's like, you know, I also think that we might be the best couple here. (laughs) 
why she's taken the stakes up into a competition of who's who's the most in love and who's the best. I mean, I'm kind of into it, and I, ooh, I think she might be right, as deranged as that sounds. I, I kind of think she might be right, but um, so then Lindsay has lunch with Mark's friends, and she's like going into this on like submission shit. She's saying like, I'm trying to figure out what it is that Mark specifically needs from his wife. So they tell her that you are probably going to need to open him up a little bit. He's going to need a bit of help with that. And that one of his friends said they were really hoping that Mark would be paired with somebody who would really look out for him. So then Mark meets up with Lindsay's dad and her friends and they give him a little gift that's uh, Lindsay's survival kit with a Lara bar. I think it was a chocolate peanut butter or peanut butter chocolate chip. And um, uh, one of those buttons that you get from like, what store is that? Like Circuit City or Best, not Best Buy. It's a red one. Anyway, Staples. I think it's from Staples. It's the no button where you just like press it and it says no in a bunch of different ways. So, you know, that's foreboding for sure. And so one of her friends tells Mark that her biggest fear is that he's going to treat her like too much of a princess when she needs somebody to like put his foot down and tell her no. And then Lindsay's dad tells Mark that sometimes he's going to have to be a bit of a lion tamer and that Lindsay can sometimes be vicious. And Mark is like taking it all in, but his eyes are uh, agog, if you will. And he's terrified. (laughs) He's sunburned and terrified. (laughs) And I'm scared for him at this point. Moving on to Jasmina and Michael as they're getting ready for bed. Michael says that he's definitely seeing signs of Jasmina being the woman that he wants, but he's trying not to let his excitement overshadow the reality that he doesn't really know her yet. So Michael tells her um, that at the reception, her father told him not to let Jasmina bully him. And she's like, don't listen to that man. And I have to agree. Like based on what he said, I don't think anybody needs to be listening to anything that man says. No shade, Jasmina, but what? What was that? Um, So the next morning, Jasmina said that they had both planned on staying up all night, but they fell right to sleep, but that's okay. Michael gives her breakfast in bed, which is a bunch of dry muffins. And when Jasmina drinks her coffee that he gave her, she's like disgusted because he drinks it black. She doesn't do it that way. Later, Jasmina meets up with two of Michael's sisters, and one of the first things they ask her is if they consummated the marriage. What are we doing here? <laughs> Which they did not. I, I think we can, like, scratch this. We don't need family members asking their new in-laws if they fucked their sibling. Like, who would do that? I, I don't think that's, like, a thing people do. The sisters go on to tell Jasmina that Michael's the type of person to assume the worst. So he lowers his expectations off jump and uh, that he is also the type of guy to walk away from a fight. He's not really a big communicator. Great. All, all great things. All great things. A pessimist who doesn't know how to talk. Lovely. Um, so uh, what happens? Oh, okay. So Jasmina says in an interview that that's a red flag for her, but that he expects the worst. And she's like, I just need him to like, I I'm just hopeful that like his mood doesn't hold us both back and both our, and our relationship back. So then Jasmina reveals that she's never had a relationship where her boyfriends even lived anywhere near her, always long distance relationships, not even in the same state. So this is going to be a whole new situation for her. So then Michael goes to brunch with Jasmina's family and <laughs> clearly Jasmina and Michael had to go to the same restaurant. And I'm wondering, like, did they just like put up a partition <laughs> and make them film at the same time? Because that's what it seemed like. It seemed very obvious that they were there at the same time. But um, so when he's having lunch with her family, Jasmina's mother says that she's feeling more comfortable with the process now than she was when Jasmina told her she was about to get married. Um, and that Jasmina has a lot of experience with relationships. She's seen divorce at an early age and she's seen a couple, like a good marriage. And 
So she asked Michael what his experience is. And he's like, honestly, I've never experienced any examples of a successful marriage or even a relationship because my parents weren't together when I was born. But I have five sisters. I have a mom. I feel like they've really taught me about how to treat a woman. And I feel like what they've taught me will apply to my marriage. So then Jasmina's mom says, I'm concerned and excited about that information because you do have an idea of what marriage is, but you've never actually seen it happen. So I'm going to warn you like not to get too wrapped up in the expectations that your mind have cre- has created, which, whew, I mean, she get her on every season to tell every husband <laughs> Do not get too wrapped up in the expectations that you have of a marriage because all of them, it it's like they think that their life is going to be grownish or blackish. Like they're just going to step right into Anthony Anderson's role and they're going to be wearing nice Gucci sweaters and have this beautiful job and this gorgeous wife and these three like racially indeterminate children and that everything's going to be great. And it's not that way. No. Then Jasmina's mom cuts to the chase and says, I don't know anything about you, Michael, except for what I've seen and not to be rude, but like all of this is superficial. (laughs) Amen. sis. In a confessional, Michael says he can tell in Jasmina's mom's eyes that she's scared. She's scared to hand off her daughter to a stranger. And so he knows that it's going to be work to prove that he's a good person to their, to her. Like I said before, we ain't seen a whole lot of them in that trailer for what's to come in this season. So I feel like (laughs) probably didn't work out too well for him, but we'll see. Only time will tell. All right, let's move on to Noi and Steve. So when they get to the hotel room, Steve gives her a ring pop. And honestly, like, it would have been a lot cuter if we knew that he had a job. You know, it's like, well, I know that the ring pop is all you can afford. It it hits different. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not just like a quirky thing. <laughs> um, I felt kind of sad for her. She, she, I feel for annoyed. She seems really insecure. She seems like she's been through it. She is not built for this show because I just... Her heart's too in it in a way that's like, she, she needs some confidence. She really does. And I, I, I want to just like cuddle her and like, I want to drink tea together. And then I want to like switch to some like boozy situation and like, just really get down into it. Maybe we could watch a Nancy Myers movie, but like really just dig deep. I would like to be Iyanla's Noi is what I'm trying to say. Cause I, I see something that needs saving. Okay. So if I have to dig a hole and have her scream into the hole to let that happen, then I'm willing to do that. Anyway, um, so as she's getting ready for bed, she's taking her makeup off and she's like, I'm kind of nervous for him to see me with no makeup on. And I hope he still accepts me. (sighs) That's sad, baby. That's sad. Steve, however, tells us that he's really attracted to Noi and... The idea of having sex with her tonight has crossed his mind, but he's fine either way. In the morning, she says she feels really comfortable in Steve's arms and in his presence. And they also have a breakfast that it looks like it looked like two dry oat bars. And I just like (laughs) think maybe whatever hotel that they're staying in really needs to reevaluate the breakfast menu because everything looked like real chunky and dry muffins like bricks. (laughs) muffins look so hard that it was like they look like those um you know how you can have those like hot chocolate bombs that you pour the hot milk over and then it explodes like it seemed like you would have to like really pour some hot tea or water to even hope to bite into it so anyway um they didn't have sex but steve does say that it was surprising to him how comfortable they felt cuddling excuse me, considering they had just met like less than 24 hours ago. So then Noi goes to have lunch with Steve's parents. So Steve is biracial. His mom's white. His dad's Asian. So her, his father tells Noi that he really likes that she brought her like traditional Laotian uh, ceremonial element to the wedding. And 
He said that Steve really liked it too. And then Noe starts to cry because she says that like, it really means a lot to her. And this is the damage I'm talking about. The fact that she would like cry at somebody embracing her culture to me it seems like she has been with dudes who did not and that it's like a big deal for her and that she's been hurt in that way where like people were not respecting where she came from and you know that's really sad to me that she would like cry about that like it's a very sweet thing and it's like nice but it's not like you know, like, people should be more... Embr- I just felt like there was a darkness there. And there was a past. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the tears felt like a lot. My tears felt like a lot. So she's like, yeah, it just felt... It meant so much to me that he was so willing to even put the sash on. And then she says she feels like Steve is pretty perfect so far. And then Steve's dad says, well, I have a feeling that he feels the same way about you. And she's like, oh, my God, really? Do you really think that? And they're like, yeah, we do. She seems very surprised and she says, I kind of feel like Steve's a little bit hard to read. And then his mom says, well, you know, all you have to do is ask him and he will definitely tell you. Then Steve's dad says, you know, I'm sure you're probably curious about him not having a job. Well, Steve is, in his words, a vagabond. (laughs) And he really just wants to travel. Um, I just feel like if we're pulling up the like old timey... Like, I'm picturing now Steve with, like, a stick and and the gingham thing wrapped to it with, like, his his rucksack, you know, tied to it. Like, vagabond. <laughs> what is he, Aladdin? <laughs> like, what's happening here? I mean, I, I it's funny to me, but it's also, like, very clear that Steve's dad thinks that Steve is a loser. Okay? And and he's got a son who's got a full roller set full of blonde Marilyn Monroe curls. And he thinks that Steve is the loser in the situation. That's, you know, Steve, you might want to reevaluate that. Now Steve's dad asks Noi what she thinks about him being a vagabond. And she's like, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. And I hope that he has a plan. But we haven't really discussed that yet. So then we get Steve having brunch with Noi's family. And in this moment, we learn that... Uh, the brother that asked uh, Steve if he was planning on having sex with his sister on the wedding night uh, has an, I don't want to say alter ego. It seems like her, their persona, Sriracha. We, we met Sriracha. Okay. And Sriracha came to play and I loved it. I really, really loved it. So noise brother, I think this was a different brother asked Steve about whether or not he was going to be, <laughs> Oh, no, 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 this was, this was right. Okay, sorry. So Steve seems afraid of Sriracha, like, right off bat. And I don't think it's because she is dressed as a woman. I think it's because uh, uh, Sriracha last night asked him if he was going to fuck a sister. I just think he maybe thought that was a little bit strange. And he's like, I just hope that at some point Sriracha will stop judging me. And then he'll get to know the real Steve. So... Sriracha, like I said, is asking the real questions, which is the exact same question that I asked before, which is, uh, what's with all the traveling, Steve? Are you on some eat, pray, love shit? What is this about? So Steve lies. Let the record reflect that he tells, he lies and tells them that the trip was a reset to have him be refreshed and ready for marriage. But you told us that you went on that trip because you got laid off. You... Okay, so then they ask about if he's planning on going from freelance, which I guess he's just taken a couple jobs here and there to make ends meet. Are you planning on going freelance to a more permanent job situation? And he's like, you know what, at this point, freelance work is a lot better for me, which I will give him half a point on because I would imagine it's probably not worth him looking for a job while he's on this show because the filming takes up too much time. So I imagine like at this point it's not worth it, but he can't really say that on the show. Right. So I'm going to give him a half a point because I'm hoping that's what he meant. But I kind of feel like I'm going to have to take that half point back, Steve. (laughs) So um, then Sriracha kicks things up a notch and asks Steve what his plans are for kids because he's 38. And uh, how are you going to provide for them? 
And Steve's only response is that, well, you know, people have different expectations for, excuse me, I have to go even deeper. Uh, People have different expectations for what they want out of life. (laughs) Well, I think everybody wants to be able to provide for the children that they bring into this world. So most, most people do. Um, So then Sriracha asks Steve what he wants out of life. And Noe's mom pipes up. She's like, well, I want grandkids. So, if you're going to have a baby, you need to have a job first, Steve. Anyway, back to my brunch. <laughs> so, when Steve and Noy get back together after to talk about, like, what they discussed, she asks him, like, what is your plan for getting a job? And he says some pretty vague shit about how, you know, they need to think about where they're going and where they want to be before he makes a decision about if, if, if. He were to commit to a full-time job. Now, far be it for me, like, I do freelance stuff, too. So, you can definitely make a nice living doing freelance. That's not the issue. I don't think anybody's making that an issue. But uh, he seems like he's just doing what he can to get by, to get his granola money. And he's fine with that. And... (sighs) Mm. It doesn't seem like anybody else is fine with that, Steve. And that might be something to look into. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com All right, moving on to Alyssa and Chris. (laughs) The filming that they made them do... Y'all, I screamed. I screamed that, like, clearly after Alyssa had this big conversation with Chris about how she was feeling weird about the things she had heard about him and didn't want to share a room, producers then made them film a scene where they're, like, waiting to go up to the hotel room. So they're standing in that sort of, like, elevator bank space. (laughs) But, like, Alyssa doesn't want to stand anywhere near Chris. So Chris is standing, like, right by the elevator doors. And she's standing... By the opposite wall, like back to the wall as far as possible. (laughs) It's so cringe, so awkward. They're not making eye contact with each other. Just like the most awkward elevator meeting I've ever been witness to. And Alyssa's so clearly disgusted by him. It's just like, ugh. My God, my God. Michael, or Chris rather in a voiceover says that this situation for him is about as out of left field as it can get. And he had a good night. So then they get into the hotel room that they're supposed to be sharing, uh, the honeymoon suite. And Chris asks Alyssa, like, are you even willing to talk about whatever the hell's going on with you off camera? And she's like, well, you know, not tonight. Excuse me, not tonight. I'm just still feeling very uncomfortable about some things that I heard. Chris, I think extremely fairly asks her, who said those things? And she again says, well, I just don't want to get into it. I want to wait until we can sleep on it and clear her head. Now, riddle me this, Batman. If you thought a bunch of stuff and they were all going through your mind and you had the opportunity to get some answers and you chose not to it to clear your head, how are you going to clear? I couldn't clear my head. If I had heard a bunch of things and had no clarification on them, like, she doesn't want to clear her head. She just doesn't want to be around Chris. So Alyssa ends up leaving their honeymoon suite. Chris is sitting there dumbfounded and he's like, 
I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe my friend said something. I'm not sure. So <laughs> then they make Chris film a scene watching Alyssa as she's walking to her separate hotel room. He's still flabbergasted and he says, I thought we were going to be spending the night getting to know each other. And I went into this really wanting to make, you know, my future wife feel comfortable. I don't know what to do. So then we get like, he said, she said, diary cams of the both of them. And Alyssa says that she just doesn't feel good about what transpired. You shouldn't. <laughs> and then Chris says, he tells us that about two, two thirty in the morning, they did have a conversation off camera. She told him she just didn't, like, vibe with him. And he's saying, like, I feel blindsided. I don't know what's going to happen at this point. So then in the morning, Alyssa comes over. She's clearly over. Like, Alyssa seems like a bit of a girly girl in that, like, I'm surprised that she's not always on camera with a full face of makeup. (laughs) But I think she's not doing it because... I think subconsciously she's like, I'm not even going to try for this dude. Or maybe not even subconsciously. I think she's like consciously like, I don't even, I'm so not attracted to him. I'm not even going to put some Vaseline on my lips. I'm not even going to brush my hair for this man. So she tells Chris she didn't get a whole lot of sleep. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he didn't either. (laughs) And he's like, I'm really worried that you're kind of checked out here. So she says, you know, I just feel like our lifestyles are so different. Our hobbies are really different. There are certain things that I was looking for. Cue the flashback of them doing that upshot of his snaggle teeth and her talking about how important physical appearance was to her. And then we get another flashback of, uh, you know, all the weird things his friends said about how he likes to push people, how he might talk too much, just tell him to stop. (laughs) Like, all the really annoying things that you don't want in a partner. And somehow, Alyssa says that she still wants to try for them to have a good experience. But in general, she's the type of person to take things really slow. Then in an interview, she says that she really does want to try. She does not. She does not. She really does want to try and see how this works throughout the eight weeks, but she doesn't know. What she means is that I'm just here so I don't get fined. And I don't want to look like a total bitch. So, like, I'm going to do what I think is a version of nice. But, spoiler alert, it's not going to translate to anybody else. (laughs) Just so you know, Alyssa. And, um, you know, just just smile through the pain. Mm, She's a monster. Then they make Chris go to lunch with Alyssa's mom and her friend Taylor. I think Taylor was also a bridesmaid. And he says... Hey guys, I don't know if you know anything, but like, I just kind of need to gauge whether this behavior is how Alyssa is normally, or she's genuinely not interested in me because I'm thinking that she's not interested. So he tells them that Alyssa basically told him they should just be friends and clearly they knew something was up and you could see on their faces that they're pretending like they don't know what's going. Well, I think Taylor, the friend knew. I'm not sure that Alyssa's mom did because she seemed actually pretty surprised. She's like, well, she is a woman who kind of likes to take things really slow, but I can tell that you're a great guy. And then Taylor says, well, I just think that the honeymoon will actually be really helpful for you guys. But Alyssa is very particular. (laughs) So there's, I mean, we all know that there's like a vast difference between like wanting to take things slow and being like a frigid monster who says that, like, the vibe is off and that she just doesn't really want to be around him. There's, like, a like a vast difference between them. <laughs> then we see Alyssa have lunch with his family, and it seemed like she ordered two pieces of cake <laughs> for, for lunch. Like I said, she did not do, do put a stitch of makeup on, didn't do her hair. It's, like, up in a messy bun, but, like, not a messy intentional bun, like a, an actual messy bun. Like, I slept on it and didn't even look in the mirror. <laughs> And it's not, I'm not saying that, like, you have to put on makeup to be on television. Make no mistake. I'm just saying, like, it's very clear that she did not try. It didn't even look like she showered. And, you know, <laughs> got to put some effort in, right? Um, so Chris's sister asked why she signed up, why Alyssa signed up for the show. And she basically was like, well, you know, if the worst thing that's going to happen is that I don't, that we're not a match, then why not give it a go? And then Chris's mom says, 
Well, from what I can tell, you guys are a really good match. And Alyssa's looking at her like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And in an interview, she says, you know, I'm usually pretty open, but I just don't think it would be a good time to talk to his family about what happened. Like, yeah, because you're not going to come off well. So might as well just keep that in the vault for now. (laughs) So she tries to change the subject and asks him, like, you know, what do you guys like to do with Chris? And his friend, again, no help to him at all. And he's like, well, Chris is really focused on his career. And when you're in the grind of real estate, I guess, like, he's always on his phone. He's always looking for new listings and helping his clients. And I don't want to say he's like, you're going to be a backseat, but you're going to be playing second fiddle to him for sure. (laughs) So didn't help. Definitely didn't help the situation. And I did have to agree with her of, like, if, why, like, it's unwise to go into the situation not being willing to, like, if you're, if, why did you go into the situation putting your, if you knew your career was always going to be first? Like, I, I get that. All right, so we're done with the brunches. We're on for... Uh, the honeymoon. And so everybody gets their gift baskets and they find out that they're going to Puerto Rico. Turns out Lindsay's been there a bunch of times and Mark is not. Apparently he's not really much of a traveler and she really is. So he's worried. <laughs> and he also seems like a um, man who does not really uh, reach outside the whole spectrum of uh, cuisine that that is available on this earth. And uh he asks her if they have hamburgers in uh, Puerto Rico. And she's like, you're not going to eat a hamburger. We're not doing that. Like, have you had calamari? Have you tried this, that? And he's like, no. Um, <clears throat> so she's like, well, what do you eat? And he says, well, clearly goldfish. And then the camera pans over to his luggage. Y'all, eight full bags of Parmesan-flavored goldfish. And one box... <laughs> Of honey, honey teddy grams all over his clothes. I mean, it, it wasn't like open bags, but like eight, eight bags, eight bags. Isn't this man, doesn't he like own or operate or uh, run a gym? And you're just fueled on, on goldfish, my guy? <laughs> okay. So everybody seems pretty excited about the prospect of going to Puerto Rico, except of course, Alyssa and Chris. Uh, Chris is in full on fake it till you make it mode with her. And he says in an interview that he's still in it for a lot, the long haul and he's prepared for all levels of commitment. One through 10. If one is molasses and 10 is 50 years of marriage, he's open to all of them, but he thinks that Alyssa isn't even at a one. He thinks she's at a zero. And so then Chris asks her like, how do you feel about going on the trip? Especially when other people are going to get there. And her response is, well, I'm really looking forward to seeing the other couples and spending time with them. (laughs) So this is the effort that she was going to put in for the, for the vacation for the honeymoon. Well, I'm going to call it vacation in your, in your sense. (laughs) This was the effort. Okay. So then Chris proposes that they just hang out on the honeymoon and let go of everything. And Alyssa's like, sure to his face. But in a confessional, she rolls her eyes and she's like, I'm just annoyed because it seems like he's trying to yes me to death. Like, he's being too nice, that jerk. And, you know, I said that I didn't really like to go shopping. I just really wanted to hang out at the beach. And then he says that he would just, like, totally hang out at the beach. And it's like, dude, just do what you want to do because it doesn't seem like you want to do that. Like, she she doesn't like when he's mean or whatever. She doesn't like when people say bad things about him. She doesn't like when people say good things about She doesn't like when he's nice. She doesn't like when he's less than nice she doesn't like him okay so now it's a problem that he's too nice to her that he how awful my monster of a newlywed husband wants to spend time with me and do the things that i want to do what a jerk in his own confessional chris says that yeah basically he's going you know the weddings it's not going the way things he would have liked for them to be but Uh, you know, he's confused as to why Alyssa would have even done this whole process because it seems like she's already written him off and it's making him really try, really, it's making it hard for him to put in the effort to try with her. 
So if the vibes weren't off from Alyssa and Chris, it really escalates. Everybody goes to fly the airport. They fly to Mexico. And when they land, it's things are weird. Everybody gets into the van, except for Mark and Lindsay, who get into a separate one. Lindsay's looking pretty upset. She's looking like she had been crying. In the other van, Elijah tells us that Lindsay approached him and asked him if he spoke Spanish. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I speak a little bit, but when I'm in Puerto Rico, I'm probably going to speak English because I'm not anywhere near fluent in Spanish. And apparently Lindsay made a comment to Elijah Juan about respecting the country. Or Yeah, and he told her, like, don't worry about a sweetheart. Like, don't worry about what I'm doing, what I got going over here. Like, I'm going to speak whatever language I want. And um, then Katina says that as Lindsay was walking away from the conversation, she made a comment about beating Elijah Juan up. So in a confessional, Katina says, girl, you're not Spanish. <laughs> I don't care if you've lived here for eight months. I guess she lived in Puerto Rico for a while. I don't care if you lived there for eight months or a year or whatever. It doesn't mean anything at this point. And Katina is telling the cameraman and production in the van, like, right now, y'all need to keep me away from her. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When they get to the hotel, Katina says that she's usually a forgiving person or somebody who has kind of a long rope with people, but she doesn't understand what was going on with Lindsay because she felt like Lindsay was intentionally trying to provoke them or like piss them off. So then we see Lindsay doing a diary cam version of her side of the events. And she says that she thought everybody was joking and that one of the husbands, a.k.a. Olajuwon, got aggressive with her about fighting. And she jokingly says, well, what, did you want to fight me? And then she says that after she said that, Olajuwon was waiting for her at the end of the line, raising his voice, puffing his chest out, and that it triggered her and it made her feel uncomfortable and she starts to cry. And then she says she just loves Mark so much because he was so supportive and he told her, just go to the hotel, take a shower, get yourself together. I'm going to talk to the people and figure out what's going on. So, mm, I have a question because this sounds like clearly these are very different versions of the story and the way Lindsay's telling it seems very much like I was a victim. I was just kidding. He got aggressive with me. I felt triggered. And I don't want to like mock it, but it just doesn't sound like it went that way. And I feel like if it was really a situation where she was being the victim, then Mark would not have gone down and had that talk with everybody about like, you know, trying to, to smooth things over. I feel like Mark knew that Lindsay instigated something. So I just didn't like that. I didn't like the white lady acting like, like Elijah one was going to actually fight her. Like he was puffing up his chest in a way to threaten her. I doubt that Elijah one is a lot of things, but I don't think he was going to beat you in the airport <laughs> girl or even consider it. I don't even think that even crossed his mind. 
And I also feel like if there was really some sort of threat to her, even any sort of threat, that Elijah Wan and Katina would have been in the in the sprinter by themselves and you would have been the, with the rest of everybody, you know? So after everybody gets settled in the hotel room, um, a few of the couples go out to the beach for drinks and Chris says that Alyssa's basically doing everything she can to avoid him. And it's probably obvious to everybody else and he can tell because everybody's asking questions with the other couples about like, Hey, where are you guys at? What are you guys doing? You know, this, that, and the third, they're not asking Alyssa and Chris anything. <laughs> so obviously something's up. So Mark shows up and he and Elijah one hug immediately. Elijah one says he's sorry. And Mark says, you know, it's just a lot of personalities. And he told Lindsay, she's always at a 10 and she needs to realize that people have buttons and then he apologizes for what happened and asks if they can move on and forgive and forget. And everybody's really accepting. Mark even asks Elijah Wan and Katina if they need apologies from Lindsay. And Elijah Wan says, I'm good. I don't need that. Katina says, you know, it really takes a lot for me to get upset. So, you know, I think I can keep things really surface with Lindsay for right now. But I don't think I should or can really spend a whole lot of time with her because she's just a lot. I thought Mark handled this, like, really graciously, like, maybe even beyond what I would expect from a, a partner, and I feel bad for him. I really do, because, you know, Mark is a goofball. Mark is not for me, but I, he seems like a good guy. He seems very sensitive, and uh, uh, Lindsay mentioned this at the brunch, that he seems really intuitive, and yeah, like he just seems like a good guy. And like day one of your marriage, you should not be doing this. Then we get to the end of the episode. Jasmina and Michael are in their room having champagne. And Michael makes a comment about how the issue between Elijah Wan and Lindsay was probably inevitable because when you meet new people, there's bound to be conflict. Jasmina kind of challenges him on that and says, you know, I don't really think it's necessarily inevitable and I don't really go into situations thinking or assuming that there's going to be a conflict like it seems like Michael does. So then Jasmina goes to take a shower and she we get both of their opinions about that little debate they had. And Jasmina says in a voiceover that she's kind of surprised that they're already having a disagreement like so early. And but then Michael says, I'm a realist. I expected this sort of thing to happen and I did ask for somebody who was going to challenge me and I got that, but now I need to assess if this is something I even really want. <laughs> okay. Well, you're taking, take, I think both of them are taking things a little too far, but I, Michael's taking things a lot further. <laughs> like it is a better situation. It, it, definitely better for your mindset to, I mean, she does say basically it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you're expecting and anticipating conflict going into a situation that you're probably inviting that and you're going to get it back. And I don't disagree with her. So I don't, the fact that he was like, I need to assess if her challenging me like this is, is something that I want. Like that's deep, bro. That's too deep. <laughs> so um, then Mark gets back to the hotel room with Lindsay. He's being really sweet to her. He tells her that Elijah Wan is ready to talk, make up, kiki. But he does advise her, like, you know, maybe you should consider being more careful about having conversations with people that you don't know that well, because you could end up provoking them. In a confessional, Lindsay, like, takes it all on the chin. She's, like, really, like, accepting with Mark. She's not fighting him. And she says in a confessional that she thinks she's already in love with him. Because of his kindness and his support of her. <laughs> I had to crack up when Mark tells Lindsay, you know, we're a team. We're team litter box. <laughs> That's cute. Maybe I do like Mark. Mark? Mark. I think I do like him. <laughs> so then we see Chris and Alyssa hanging out in their balcony of... Uh, not their hotel room, but a hotel room in, in the hotel. And Chris says in a confessional that he's not sure if he should like keep trying or not try and make an effort to think, make things better. But when he asks Alyssa, like, are you going to be able to stay in the room? She says something about not feeling comfortable. 
And at this point, Chris is over it. And this is where the fingers come out. They're like, one, two, three, you've done this, you've done that. I'm tapping my fingers to denote to you that all of these things have happened. He gets the fingers out and he says, you know, we spent a total of about 40 minutes together. You told me you didn't want to stay in the room. We couldn't talk about it. Uh, I was able to get the microphones in the camera. Like I had to get the microphones in the camera away for you to talk about anything at all. Seems like you've tapped out. And what frustrates me is that there's not been a point in this process where you put in any effort. And I think you went into this expecting the perfect person. And when it wasn't, you said you're done. So Alyssa acts like, what? She's like, that's not the case. And then she says, she uses a word that like, I don't think we're supposed to use anymore. I, I'm not going to use it. She says, I felt cheated. And, and so did you. And, um, you know, and I, then she says, you know, there's been nothing but problems since the second we met each other <laughs> and that we have differences in our core values and our hobbies. And she keeps rambling. And so Chris cuts her off and says, you're really saying all these things. And you're also saying that you gave us a chance. Like those, both of those things can't be true. So Alyssa says, well, yeah. Do you think I'm lying? And Chris says, well, yeah, because there was never a point in this process where you put in any effort. So at this point, Alyssa's like, you know, I'm not going to stand on camera if he's going to call me a liar. She walks back into the room and she sits on the couch and then she puts her hat in front of her face so the camera can't see her. <laughs> oh, my God. She gets upset. She's like, you know, every time I try to get over one thing, something else happens. And I found out that you would come to, you would talk to my mom and my sister or my friend at that brunch. And you told them that you were concerned about the wedding. And that was disrespectful to me. And I would have never done that to you. And he's like, all I said was just that, no, she said, um, he says, sorry, what should I have said? And she said, well, you could have just said that the wedding night wasn't that great. And then she goes, dude, we're not compatible. Like, can we just say, can we just stop and say that this isn't going to work and be respectful? (laughs) So they keep going back and forth. And Chris keeps saying that he's not trying or that she's not trying. And that Alyssa keeps saying that she needs him to be more respectful of her to build back up to a place where she can trust him. You have known this man. Like, (laughs) like, not even 48 hours. Building back trust? What do you mean? <laughs> so at this point, Chris is already, o- he's totally over it. And he's like, you know what? I don't mind going to another room, getting some space, actually. So <laughs> in a confessional, he says, I don't think I disrespected her at all. I feel like she's gaslighting me. If anything, I'm really frustrated. And I'm fighting with myself over there's any part of me that still wants to fight for this marriage. Amen, girl. Amen, Christopher. The episode ends with Katina and Elijah talking about the day and Elijah says that he feels like it feels really good to know that Katina had his back so quickly in regard to Mark and Lindsay. And he was like, you were kind of like a little chihuahua. Like I'm into that. <laughs> like in a good way. So Katina says, I-, I snapped because I don't like it when a female bullies other people. <laughs> okay. I don't like it when women use the term. I don't like it when people use the term female to just to say women. So bullying. I, I would just like, I just wish we had seen exactly what happened. Cause I feel like Lindsay is at fault. But when you say like, I don't like it when a female does this, it just, ugh, it's giving ugh, act like a man, think like a lady. Like it, I don't, ugh, I don't like it. Elijah on recommends that she let go, that Katina let go of what happened with Lindsay because he's like, you know, every time you see here, you're going to feel some type of way. It's going to set things off. And we just really need to focus on our relationship and not like whatever disagreements you have, which is true. Well, I mean, I mean, if you guys could get into it again, because like th- we are making a show here, <laughs> but he's not technically wrong. Then Olajuwon calls out the fact that he thinks that Katina might have a little bit of a wall up with him. And she's like, mm, I like, I don't disagree, but she tells him, I think it's normal for now, you know, 
<laughs> and it just takes me a second to trust people because I'm used to giving people a lot of chances. I'm used to giving people a lot of rope and then end up getting burned in the end. Now, this is what I believe, Katina, like what Alyssa is trying to say she is, like, I just need you to take things slow. I think she thinks she's giving what Katina's giving and she's not, just to be clear. Like, you just don't like him. Whereas I think Katina's gun shy, which is a completely reasonable feeling to have. So Elijah Wan says not to let the past hurt her or dictate their marriage. And he even starts to talk about his past and he tries to reassure her, like, I'm not going to let my past as a fuck boy dictate our marriage. And in a confessional, Katina says that she's noticing that when he talks about his past, he's doesn't seem proud of what he's done. And she's like, listen, people can't change overnight. So who, who's to say where he's at? So uh, we're heating up. I'm cautiously optimistic about the season and we'll, we'll just keep chugging along. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.